Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, hello there and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts. It is 8-16 on 9-18. And you're joined by your boys, Joe Fortunato and Michael Murphy. Your boys. And guess what? We have hockey to talk about. Oh my god. Actual... It happened, hockey. Not Traverse City, not baby hockey. No, well, re- well, it's it's like it's like a toddler hockey. Yeah, it's daycare hockey. There yeah, are, daycare. There are adults and babies there. Yes, daycare hockey. Um, the New York Rangers played the New Jersey Devils in a riveting four-two-three overtime victory, where our good friend Neil Pionk, little Pionk, 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 Mister Pionk, Pionk, Pionk. Uh, Neil Pionk scored a game-winning goal in overtime to open the preseason for the second year in a row, which has to feel pretty cool. Yeah, that's a pretty good start. Yeah, for him. they're both I, pretty he had goals. A couple, uh, couple of goofy plays earlier, but uh, you know, there's a lot of rust all around. But yeah, Pionk, it was a beautiful pass by Booch, and uh, I think the Devils were technically a split squad, but they were playing Taylor Hall, so I'll take it. Yeah, I, I was actually a little. Well, let me ask you this question, Michael. This was our first opportunity to get a look at the way that David Quinn um, is going to be behind the bench. What were some of your thoughts on on the Boston boy? Uh, The Rangers had a too many men on the ice penalty. That's bad coaching. That means he's failed at his job already. Uh, But seriously, I liked that he kept giving guys ice time after they goofed. It is the preseason, um, and so you know you would expect a coach to do that. But it was still encouraging to see that he was giving everyone a pretty long leash. Like I mentioned, uh, Pionk had a pretty goofy turnover uh, earlier in the game, and then he was out there as one of the guys trusted to be on the ice for overtime, and he was able to you know cash in on that goal. And it was a pretty physical game. The Rangers had McLeod in the lineup. Um, you know, I, I was very pleased in particular with Leas Anderson's ice time. Uh, you know, I, it was really like that That game was more or less like the Leas Anderson show. Um, and that was something that was I was really kind of happy with is getting to see him get that much ice time. And I think he had something like 19 minutes. And yeah, I don't know. Overall, I was pretty pleased with, with how Quinn managed the game. There was a lot of great cuts to him. Uh, shaking his head because Joe, there are so many penalties. So the seven so penalties. It and I feel like there was a game. So last year, the NHL instituted their slashing penalty that they were being more rigid with the way that they were calling those yeah, penalties. Yeah. And there was like four th- trillion penalties in the first game, and this kind of felt like that without any of the change in the rules. Uh, it felt like every other minute. A ranger was in the box, and then towards the end, the rangers kind of caught up in terms of power plays. Um, You know, the Leas Anderson show, I mean, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you that the guys who should have stood out because they're veterans of this team now, Buchnevich was a monster. Kevin Hayes played really well. I thought Chris Kreider was fine. All of those things are great. 
right? The guys that need to prove that they belong, the uh, Leah Sanderson's of the world, he could not have had a better first game. I thought Anthony D'Angelo had a really good first game, and I thought Neil Pionk had a really good game as well. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Pionk-D'Angelo kind of battle, if you will. Um, Pionk got more minutes. He got way more penalty kill time. He got seven minutes of penalty kill time, actually, more than anyone else. Um, So I think that played a major role. But D'Angelo got five minutes on the power play. So you're kind of seeing Pionk is, I think, a little bit more of a two-way guy. D'Angelo actually brings quite a bit more offense. I don't know if you can hear my daughter. She's taking a bath, and she's loving it. Um, so I don't know. There, It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. We're going to get a look at McQuaid uh, tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday when we release it, um, and we'll see. I mean, I love the idea of, like, earning a spot, but... Uh, I really would have liked to see both of them, and maybe we will still see both of them. Uh, but yeah, Quinn did a really good job with the time on ice for the most part. All the defensemen. I don't think we did get to see McQuaid tonight. I thought he was in the lineup. No? no, I don't think so. No, no, I'm an idiot. Ruin the podcast. Don't say that. Um, you know, Pionk played the most minutes of any defenseman, followed by uh, Clayson. Then it was D'Angelo. Uh, Stahl and Lindgren kind of backed up, and they were riding the back of the bus. Buchnevich got 17 minutes. Anderson got 19 minutes. A lot of that was because of his penalty kill time. Buchnevich um, didn't play anything on the penalty kill. I have a question for you. Shoot. Do we, do we know why uh, Michael Lindquist didn't play in the first period? All right, so I'm gonna, I was going to talk about that. I, I think oh, right. let's – is there anything else you want to say on – I like the people we know about. Oh, yeah. Fast, too. Fast had an outstanding game. Oh I, honest God. to God, I, I thought I thought Buchnevich was one of the most noticeable just because of, of what he did. His goal was a, a rocket. His assist on the game-winning goal was like a thing of beauty. That oh does not happen if Fast doesn't make the play against the boards, the defensive play to get the puck back, and make the pass to him. Um, I thought Hayes was great. Like I said, Kreider was the least noticeable of the, of the forwards that were – in that definitely going to make the team category. But again, that's not a shot at him. They're just a lot of guys were playing really well. So I, I Cody McLeod was Cody McLeod. I mean, he did exactly what you kind of expected. Yeah, yeah, he had seven minutes on seven minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, which I thought was good, especially when we're trying to evaluate Quinn giving, excuse me, giving McLeod just that 737 and. You yeah, know, no key moments and, either. And he wasn't on the ice late. Closer, he was on the ice a lot less often. He only played a minute and thirty seconds. In the yeah, game. didn't didn't do anything to protect Baby Nieves. So no, um, didn't protect we can, Nieves from we can get into that in a little bit. Uh, the other, the main battle that I was really interested in seeing outside of Pionk and D'Angelo was the Meskinen Lindquist battle. Oh yeah, and Meskinen looked like somebody who has played professional hockey, which he has in in Finland, and is just crushing his Traverse City tournament first showing, and I I thought he looked great for what he is. He wasn't one of the most impact players on the ice. He obviously had a couple of turnovers, but for the most part, I noticed Meskinen a lot in really good ways, and he he played 13 minutes. He had two minutes on the power play. Lindquist, so he played less than seven minutes, but... Carp made a note in his review for the Athletic that they showed zero time on ice in the first period, mm-hmm. and he didn't know if that was accurate, and I don't know if that was accurate. Yeah, I'm looking at the NHL.com box scores. That's what I'm looking at. 
Yeah, it says he had seven shifts in the second, three in the third, and none in the first, which is peculiar. But then again, like the, it's not like a nice NHL.com box score. You can only really look at the uh, the HTML reports right now. But he was not. He was not good. In the time that he was on the ice, he took two yeah. penalties. I mean, listen, Lindquist it was going to have the tougher transition between the two because Lindquist is a pure goal scorer. He's and it's harder to find those soft areas of the ice in the NHL than it is in the SHL. But I thought he was going to force the issue and make the Rangers make a decision between him and, and Meskinen to get that longer look in camp. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm a little shocked Lindquist wasn't one of the cuts today that's how bad yeah, i think he was i agree like i i know i early on when we were talking about these two guys and you know in the article i wrote i i kind of was i identified meskinen as the guy who i think is closer to being ready now um because the other thing with Linquist is that he's one-dimensional right but then when he was trying to engage in a physical game last night he's small too and that's so you know he's very much that just kind of one-sided play right now and that's that's not bad especially for a guy who has a shot like he does but like you said he has to find those areas and that's tough to do going from european to north american ice um again it's one preseason game i'm really not really not worried i'm glad he wasn't among the cuts because i feel like he deserves another look um especially yeah, based on what he did in uh, the swedish league last year i'm not i'm not too concerned but it is. I mean, if we're comparing the, those two guys directly, it's Meskinen by you know a mile right now. It was. Yeah, great. and I, and if I said to you, gun to your head, you have to pick one of D'Angelo and Pionk. After that one game, you would say. I would say D'Angelo right I, now. I would too. I was. I. I again, we. I, I think we're taking for granted how good D'Angelo looked before he got hurt last year. And I, I just I think he realizes that this is his last shot. I think having a guy like Quinn, who is his specialty is working with defensive players, um, I, I think this is an opportunity for him to kind of resurrect his career, if you will. And let's be honest, this is the absolute last stop on the bus, right? This is it. And I thought that was a great first showing for him. I also want to say, and I should have mentioned it back when we were talking about Quinn. This was, I, I quote tweeted a story in Larry Brooks' article this morning that um, he kind of pulled Anderson aside to have a conversation with him and said, you know, he's only 19. He has to understand that, you know, he has to go out and do his thing and not worry about the expectations. All throughout the game, Quinn was up and down the bench. He was talking to his players, patting guys on the shoulder. He was in Buchnevich's ear. He was talking about how he was playing better. We never saw that with Vigneault. And I, I think it's, you know, by design because Vigneault is very much laissez-faire and I don't want this to turn into the Vigneault bash hour because we've done that for three years. But it, it's very refreshing to see a coach who is actively involved behind the bench and not just every view of him is this stoic, you know, either yelling at the guys as a whole or just standing there chewing gum. You're seeing a guy who's moving in and out. He's, he's talking to the guys. Coaching, which is yes. Well, nice. not even that, but encouraging, like <laughs> making, you know what I mean? But maybe coaching is right because, again, we have not really heard a single like, oh, we're going to miss that guy from any of the players. And it just seems like Quinn already has a better feel of the locker room than Vigneault ever did. And I, I just, I, it's very refreshing to see. Seeing Quinn behind the bench was really cool. Um 
got and nice it was eyes. you know it's been Looks a long like time coming um steely blue eyes he does have like very girardi like blue eyes yeah he does um very dan eyes. that's very super dan girardi so nieves nieves took a hit a very hard hit to the corner hit to the head he has a concussion confirmed by the New York Rangers. Um, again, there was really no response from McLeod. Um, I think Quinn mentioned after the game that he had a conversation with the team. You know, he said it was more important that we won the game, but, you know, there could have been some form of retribution. And then he, he added that he doesn't want the Rangers to be the Broad Street bullies, which makes me happy because I think it's it's absolutely stupid to respond that way. But, um, you know, I think first look... I don't know if Nieves was going to make the team out of camp. I think he had a shot simply because that fourth-line center spot might be open. But I really think Anderson is going to force the conversation into they're going to put him in the top nine so that he can go on the wing and maybe alternate between 3C and 3W. Or are they going to put him on the 4C? And once that decision's been made, if that 4C slot was open, I think Nieves was going to be one of the favorites for it. And obviously with the concussion, that really hurts his chances. And it's unfortunate because I do think Nieves is a good player. Um, I think he's kind of a perfect player for that position. But I just, it's a tough thing to see, you know? Yeah, it sucks, especially because he's a guy who really didn't get much of a fair shake, uh, you know, during his tenure as a Rangers prospect. We know last year we talked about, you know, why not Boo Nieves uh, getting a call up when you know, they're grabbing guys on waivers, trying to find center depth, and they have this guy who you know has been a part of the organization, and so it didn't really matter what happened in Hartford last season, but he was never given that fair shake. And yeah, you know the odds were stacked against him uh, at for that four C role, especially with Leas and what he did last night. But yeah, it's not good to see it. I saw a couple of you know dumb tweets and comments about it doesn't matter anyway because he's not very good, but. I mean, if, if you're the sort of hockey fan who says those things, I don't have a lot of time for you. That's, that's all. They're humans, Michael. Humans. They're human beings. He's They're a, people. They're peeps. Yeah, he's a young guy who wants desperately to play in the NHL. And, you know, he's, like you said, he's good enough right now to be a fourth-line center in the NHL. And I don't know if he'll ever be anything more than that, but that doesn't really matter because he's... A guy who's paid his dues in the HL. He's done everything he's supposed to do. He's a big body. He's got good hands. He's, he understands the game. And to have him come away with a concussion here, when he has a history of them, is not good. It's just not good. So it's a shame, and obviously we hope that uh, Nieves bounces back but isn't rushed back uh, for sure. Speaking of shames, the Rangers trimmed their roster by eight. They made their first round of cuts. Yeah. Um, Brandon Halverson, Dawson Lidl, Chris Nell, Vince Pedri, Nico Gross were all assigned to the Wolfpack. In Nico Gross's case, he was assigned to the Oshawa Generals. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Brodor, son of Marty Fatso Brodor, um, was released Joe, from his PTO. We can be better than that. No, not for Brodor. Um, <laughs> Sean Day. And Ty Ronning were also Ty among Ronning. the cuts, which I think was a little surprising. Um, I, we're not going to talk about any of the other cuts because they're honestly inconsequential, and I don't think anybody even knew half of those players were on the team. But in the case of Day and Ronning, it is a little surprising. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, Michael. Yeah, in the case of 
day in running, like before the show, we briefly talked, and it's not like it's a surprise that they're in Hartford already, but because that's kind of where we knew they would end up. I think the real the real surprise here is that they didn't get you know the preseason game. Neither of them uh, was in the lineup last night or, or were in the lineup last night, and. You know, there's been a lot of buzz about Ty Ronning maybe being a dark horse. Uh, a lot of people like him as kind of a guy who could, you know, he's an undersized guy coming off of a, an amazing year last year um, in the CHL. And, you know, what, what he can do at the AHL level is something we're definitely keeping an eye on because he might be a late round pick that turns into an NHL player, really. That's that's how good he's been this far thus far in juniors. And to see him get cut without getting a, getting a look is kind of a bummer, frankly. And, you know, I was on uh, ESPN, I'm sorry, TSN 1260 in Edmonton, uh, the Low Tide show, and I was asked about Sean Day in particular because of, you know, the exemption status and how kind of intriguing and, and kind of mystifying he is as a prospect. And, you know, he's another guy where, you know, on that show I talked about he has a tough, tough job kind of carving out a role for himself in the organization because of how invested the Rangers are in defensive prospects now. It's really easy for him to kind of get lost in the mix here. And for him to end up straight in Hartford after we heard a couple of encouraging things about how he was in the best shape of uh, best shape of his career is something that, uh, you know, I think Gordy Clark or uh, Jeff Gorton said when we were looking at the prospects camp and you know, I was hoping to maybe get a look at him in preseason and again uh, maybe, I don't know, Joe do you feel it's premature that they got sent down or, or not it, quite? I would say more in the case of Ronning than Day. Uh, let me start yeah, with Day and just say that I think everybody in the world knew Day was not making the team out of camp. I don't think that's a surprise. I don't think it's anything that even Sean Day would be surprised about. Um, is it unfortunate that he did not get a look in at least the preseason game, I would say yes. But I think the Rangers, listen, Sean Day is a guy who admittedly puts a lot of pressure on himself. When he had his issues in juniors, it was because he had the exemptional status, more because of his size than his skill. Um, and that kind of weighed on him, and he wasn't really sure, you know, what he could do. And I think the Rangers are being very cautious with him for the right reasons. Um, in terms of just making sure that there's not too much pressure on him. And to ensure that there's not too much pressure on him, I think they want him to get acclimated with Hartford because that's where he's going to be. He may even be in the ECHL, to be completely honest with you, because the Rangers do have a logjam of defensemen that they're dealing with. So with that said... Am I surprised he didn't get a game? Yes, but I do see the long-term benefits of a guy who was 100% not making the New York Rangers. Why keep him around? I'm sure the Rangers coaching staff had a conversation with him and explained the situation to him and told him that they want him to get comfortable in Hartford so he can be up in the NHL. I don't think this is one of those, ah, we're just sending him down and we'll see what happens type of deals. Um, And I think it's the right call. I, I think I referred today as being in the slow cooker as a prospect, and I stand by that. I think the Rangers are going to take their time. They're aware that he's an enormous project. At this point, I think some of the luster is kind of worn off, but there's still a quality NHL defenseman in there, and they just need to make sure that they're getting the best out of him. It, Ronning, you and I have had a discussion about this before. I, I think we, we're both in agreement that if Ty Ronning scores 20 goals in the AHL, 
this year, it's an enormous win for him and for oh, the Rangers. Yeah. And I, 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 he wasn't going to make the team either. The Rangers have a, a slew of wingers. You know, there's no real concerns, if you will, about. I don't necessarily want to say a concern, but there's, there's, he's not going to make the team. He may as well get himself acclimated. Am I surprised that he's he didn't see a preseason game? Yes, but I also think it's somewhat cruel in the sense that if Quinn has specific players that he either wants to take a harder look at or he wants to see if there's something more he can get out of them. And I'm including Meskinen in this and Lindquist, who you know we were surprised wasn't cut. I think he wants to see what he can do with Nemestikov and, and uh, Spooner in comparison to where he's going to put Heedle and, and Anderson, whether or not they're in the center or on the wing. I think there's a lot of things that go into this. Why keep running around if you're not going to play him? And I get it. He had 60 goals in the WHL last year. Plus, 61? actually, I think he had 61. Um, you're talking about a guy who did really incredible things. But at some point, you need to make the realization. I think a lot of people think, oh, this is a bona fide 25-goal score in the NHL. And, like, just let's pump the brakes. Let's let him develop. He's 21. He's not a spring chicken, but he's also, you know, not at the point where you have to start worrying about that. Let him develop in in Hartford, and let's see what we get out of it. So disappointing, yes. I'm not surprised. And again, I think the Rangers ultimately made the right decision. Yeah, I I feel you on that. These are both, like, uh, Ronning is, like you said, going to be 21 on October 20th. So he'll be, you know, 21 this season, effectively, in Hartford. And Sean Day is 20. So... It's asking a lot for a seventh-round pick who is a forward, uh, who's five foot nine, to make the jump from, you know, the WHL to the NHL. Even if he's playing, you know, as a role player on the fourth line, and the same is true for Sean Day, especially with all the traffic on that Rangers blue line. Which uh, I have a story about that coming up tomorrow or today, if you're listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody listens on Tuesday, unfortunately. Yeah, well, you know, because we record on Tuesday, Michael. It's the way that it goes. Son of a bitch. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get into Mike's trivia question jamboree extravaganza? No, I think we, we covered it. We talked about the cuts. We talked about Boo. Um, was there anything else from the preseason game? No, I don't think so. I, th- I mean, uh, well, I guess the only other thing I could say, did Georgiev do anything for you in any way? Meh. Yeah, I, I thought he was fine. I, he was he, fine. There's nothing he could do about the first goal, and... Uh, I think he may have liked to have the second goal back, but I mean, yeah. you know, I, I for a guy who I think we're all in agreement is pretty much locked into that. It you know, the two power play goals. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I, he wasn't in net for both of them. I think, but he was in net for the Quinville power play goal. And like you said, that first goal, the Lampin goal. I, I'm not holding that against him either. So no, it's. I mean, he got that. That shot was ripped through. Yeah. All right, we're going to the Jamboree. Now, we've kind of changed the rules a little bit of the Jamboree because we realize that maybe, just maybe, it's not the best thing in the world if we ask a question and the whole group is just sitting there going, uh... So, to make up for that, we've come up with a new strategy. I have five questions. Michael has five questions. Well, I'm actually modifying it a little bit from Shana's idea. Because Shana's idea is that you ask, like, me a question against Shana, and then if I don't get it right, well, whatever. This way, because it's just me and Mike, I'm going to ask Mike a question. If he gets it right, he gets a point. 
I'm not awarding penalties unless that could be the tiebreaker, I guess, whoever got more questions wrong. Sure. Um, and then Mike will ask me a question, and we'll go back and forth. All right. You ready for this, son yeah. of a bitch? You want to start with your question first? No, let's start with yours. You seem very aggressive. You called me a son of a bitch twice. I do. I, I, now, I don't know if I made these questions too difficult, oh. but I, I think I have a good... I think I have, one of them is very hard, I think. You're probably going to get it right away. Here's question number one. Yep. I am talking about goals scored as a New York Ranger in a single season. Gotcha. Who had more? Zabanajad, Kreider, or Grabner? Grabner. You are incorrect, sir. Okay. Kreider had 28. Grabner and Zabanajad both had 27. Oh, fair enough. But you notice what I did, Joe. I answered quickly, and I didn't delay. I, but I also gave you multiple choice, Michael. True. The three answers were laid out in front of you. You had a 33% chance of getting it correctly. That's fine. Um, is it my turn to ask you a question? It is your turn. It is zero to zero. Who scored the most shootout goals for the Rangers last season? Mm, Zuccarello. That is correct, Joe. Zuccarello oh, scored good. four of his seven attempts. Zabinijad scored three of his seven. Oh, see, I was debating between Zabanajad and Grabner as my you're going to yeah, be wrong yeah. answer. Okay? All right. Joe, Joe's up one nothing. I'm up one nothing. Mike, mm -hmm. I want you to tell me the two all-time leading point scorers in New York Rangers history. All-time leading point scorers in Rangers history. Correct. Oh my goodness. Uh, Howell, I think, is one. And. Son of a beasting. He, he, you're wrong on the first one. I will give you half a point, though, if I'm you can guess the second on the one. one. It is a Rangers legend. It is a Rangers. Some would say the greatest Ranger of all time. Some would say the greatest Ragnars of all the times. Oh, man. You're going to be mad at yourself. It's, it's not Rod Gilbert. Um, well, Gilbert was first. He was the top overall? Number one. Okay. Brian Leach is number two. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say Leach. Uh, yeah, I have... It's embarrassing. I mix up Gilbert and Howell a lot in my head, and I, there's no good reason to do it because they're not at all the same player. Well, you know what? I'll give you half a point. No, no, you don't have to give me half a point. This, this is too friendly. Next question. Next question for Joe. Name the last seven men to captain the Rangers. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Does it have to be in order or can it just be? No. Just go, just let them loose. All right. McDonough. Mm -hmm. Callahan. Yep. Yager. Yep. Messier. Mm -hmm. Leach. Very good. All right. That's five. That's five. You need two more. Oof. Who was captain before Messier, and you, you missed a guy in the middle? Between the two. All right, there was a captain before because Messier. there was Messier, Leach, then Messier uh, when Mess came back. Correct. Then there has to be a kiss. So but if we're talking about between... So we're talking before Yager, mm -hmm. but after Messier. But after Messier. I... Well, I'm definitely not going to get the one before Messier. You're not going to get the one before Messier? Okay. I don't 
think so. Well, I don't even think I'm going to get the one between. I'm trying to even think of who it could be. You definitely know this guy. I mean, this is relatively recent. You want a hint? I'll give you a hint. Sure, I'll take a hint. He's currently in a front office position with the New York Rangers. Oh, Chris Drury. There you go. Okay. Can, can you get the guy before mess? Here's a real big hint. He also wore number 11. Yeah, I don't think that's going to help me. All right. It was Kelly Kissio. No, not even. I would have never okay. guessed that. All right. All right, my turn. Dan Blackburn. Scores one to nothing still. Dan Blackburn. Our good friend Dan Blackburn, the goaltender. How many shutouts did he have in his career? Oh, my Lord. In his, in his career? Uh, I will give you within two. Within two. The real question is how many games did he even freaking play? He also played I, for a terrible Rangers team. I'm going to say he played about... I'm going to give you a hint. He played like 30 NHL games. 30? I'm going to say he had one shutout. You are absolutely nothing but net dead on. Boom. Against the Calgary Flames. It was a shutout that he lost. I should have he lost. Yes, because they lost in the shootout. Oh, here's the real question. Was that before or after he... No, because he never actually played. With no, after the, he was hurt, he was... Yeah, he, 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 he like, made a semi-comeback with the two blockers, but you just can't. Yeah, the double blocker thing. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it. He had that, like, he had, like, nerve damage in his thumb that made it so he couldn't really operate or, like, close the glove hand properly. Yeah, there was something... Yeah. There was something with that. All right, one-to-one. Oh, yeah, I got to ask you my next question. Um, let's see, Joe. Which two Rangers forwards, so uh, I'm already giving you a hint, it's forwards, shared the team lead in giveaways last season? All right, two forwards last season. Shared the team lead in giveaways. Would have to be somebody who played a lot. That makes sense. That would make a lot of sense. He was hurt. I'm just running this through in my head. Running it through your sweet little brain. Would it matter that they were not there during after traded during the trade deadline? Probably. I'm going to say Hayes. Hayes is correct. Okay. That was a good guess. I'm feeling pretty good about that. You got to feel good about that. You got to get a little frothy. Kreider missed a ton of games because of his injury. So did Zabanajad. I don't think it's either of them. Well, then who's it going to be, Joe? Buchnevich, I don't think played enough to be completely honest with you to have that many giveaways. Who's it going to be? Got to make a pick. All right, I'm going to go Buchnevich. Who's it been a Jad? And yeah, Hayes. Both with 63. Brady Shea, Brad Chase had 62. Brad Chase. Mm-hmm. Brad Chase. All right. So it's one-to-one still. This isn't yep. nearly as riveting as it is when Shane is I cheating. Have half a point. I'm 1.5.4 points. Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl. Was drafted what position overall? Uh, I believe it was 12. You are correct. Oh! Bonus point. Okay. What team did the Rangers trade the pick from? Oh, I don't know that one. Uh, the Atlanta Thrashers. Thrashers? Yeah, I, so when I was first looking it up because I wanted to ask that question... Thought it was San Jose. It's not San Jose. There it was Atlanta. Was, yeah, there's triple question. Triple question. And this I will give you just because it's going to be impossible to answer. Okay. When the New York Rangers made that trade with the Atlanta Thrashers, they swapped first round draft picks. 
the Atlanta Thrashers drafted a player who the New York Rangers then traded for a couple of years later. Do you know who that player is? Antropov? No. No. And I actually don't even know who it is. I just know that it happened. I was trying to search it online, and it's not working. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that that's awful podcasting. Um, no. Two to one you. They traded Nigel Dawes to the Thrashers. Um, I wonder who it is. Maybe, oh no. I don't know. It's like Bordeaux or something. Oh, I'm curious now. I don't know. I yeah, don't, I don't know. I don't want to delay the show by by looking it up. Is it my turn to ask you a question? Yes, it is. This was this is a guest question uh, from Shayna Menora Goldman. What were the numbers of the three roster players the Rangers acquired when they dealt Marion Gabrick to the Columbus Blue Jackets show? So the numbers of the players like Broussard is sixteen. That's what you want to know. Exactly that, and he right, is Bers- one of them. Bers- Boom. Broussard is sixteen. Yep. Dorsett was 15. Yep. What was John Moore? What was John Moore? <sighs> a question that Boston Bruins fans will be asking themselves for a couple of years. I was going to say 22, but that's not right. Are you feeling 22? <sighs> I really am feeling 22. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling oh. 22. I haven't felt 22 in a long time. Well, you know, that's because you're what, 30? Well, yeah, 32. Yeah, so there you go. That's what it is right there. Let's see. Hang on. I finally got the page up so that I can tell you who the pick was that they selected. Alex Barrett. Oh, I vaguely remember that Yes, the Rangers traded for him. I don't think he ever played with the Rangers. He had a couple of, I'm going to say solid years with the Wolfpack. But yes, he was selected with the pick the Rangers traded. I don't know why. Like, that's a weird thing that I know. Uh, John Moore, what number was he? I mean, it's now become clear to the audience that you are looking things up. Yes, but I'm not looking that up. I'm going to say 22 just because that's what I was thinking, but it's wrong. John Moore wore 17, so the guys wore 15, 16, 17. Isn't that fun, Joe? And I couldn't even get it right. Yep. All right, this is what I would consider my super hard question. Oh, son of a bitch. What team drafted Peter Nedved? Ooh, doggy. It is either Vancouver or Pittsburgh. And I believe the answer is shit. Because he has an amazing story. He, he actually represented Canada because he defected from Czechoslovakia during a juniors tournament played in Canada. Uh, because of, you know, communism. And uh, I'm trying to remember where the hell... You seem to know a lot of facts about him. Yeah, he's one, he was one of my favorite Rangers during... That, that's why I asked this years. question. I... Because, yeah, it's either Vancouver or Pittsburgh. Uh, is that right? Can I'll give you that? a hint. One of those is correct. Well, no shit, one of those is correct. Um... Yeah, I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm feeling 22. The Rangers traded to acquire him from Pittsburgh. I know that much. Um, and then they traded him, I believe, to Edmonton. I also know that. I'm going to say it was the Vancouver Chinooks. You are correct. Oh! Ding, ding, ding. 
Yeah. I don't think I can win. I think I'm going to go 0 for 3 on trivia. That's not true. You're such a sweet boy. Give me the last um, question, you son of a bitch. Don't patronize me. Name? This is also a guest question from Shana Goldman. Um, that's right. I brought in help. Name the six Rangers defenders who played in the season finale last season against the Philadelphia Flyboys on April 7th. So who were the six D in the lineup on that decimated blue line? She, lo- she loves the, like, long... I've gotten half of these questions, like, half of the question correct. All right. Pionk... Yonk is one of them. Very good. Shea. Yep. Gilmore. Gilmore's correct. O'Gara. You need two more. Yeah, but that's the problem. <laughs> Who else could it have been that played... We, talk, we mentioned one of these guys earlier in the show. On that disaster. Yeah. So, like, everybody called, got called up but Smith. Yep. But S- you need another guy who was there for a lot of last year. I need another guy who was there for... Oh, Stahl? There you go. Now you just need that last random Last guy. one. Uh, wow, it's... It's probably g- struggling. Genuinely shocking that I forgot about Stahl. Yeah, um, was D'Angelo was hurt. Trivia question for me. McDonough was traded. Mm-hmm. feel like it had to be a Hartford call-up. You are correct, sir. But whom? Yeah, who was on Hartford? But who? I'll that give would, you a hint. Sure. Uh, he signed a PTO to play for a different uh, team uh, this past offseason, meaning his contract expired. The Rangers acquired him in a trade during last season. The Rangers acquired him during a trade during last season. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling but You're feeling 22? We got a good Taylor Swift vibe going here. Believe Damn it, answer. this annoys Jesus. me. Who could... Oh, um... All right. I'm not going to get it right because I don't remember his name, but I'm going to tell you who the player was. <laughs> okay. They traded hit for him from Detroit. Yeah, you know who it is. I do okay. know who it is. What's his I'll name? Ryan Sproul. You yes, Sproul. Yeah. yeah, he's very wow, that, easy to forget. That blue line was atrocious. Yeah, Gilmore, O'Gara, Pianche, Sproul, Stahl. Oh, my Oof. God. That was awful. Oh. And who knows? It may be worse this year. I'm giving myself the point for that. I lost 3-2. to two. Now I'm giving you that point. You, you knew who it was. You just didn't. Know I did. Who. I just didn't remember this his was, name. I don't know. Was this too friendly? This trivia? No, I I thought this was good because we at least got some questions right, and we weren't just sitting here mumbling like idiots. Yeah. We're, so this was like a tantamount to us cuddling by an open fire and like feeding each other grapes. Is just delicately. Romantic? Yeah, it could be romantic. Um, red grapes or green grapes? Jeff? Oh, green. No, Ooh, you yeah. know what? No, red. How did you go from oh green to no, you know what, no red? Because I it's, like it's green red. grapes because they're tangier than red grapes. Yeah, they're a little tangy. But if I'm going to be fed grapes, I want sweet. <laughs> if if I'm feeding be... myself, I can handle the tang. Okay. I don't want you to just shove all the grapes in my mouth, and the next thing I know, there's you like an what? acidic explosion in my yeah. mouth. I appreciate that. That's not happening. If you're going to be fed grapes by like a pot-bellied satyr, you know, a half-goat man from Greek mythology, you want it to be red grapes. You're goddamn right I do. Um, okay. Before we get into questions. Questions. Tonight's, because you're listening to this on Wednesday probably, roster. We're seeing Buchnevich again. We're seeing D'Angelo again. Yeah. We are not seeing Pionk again. For the first time, we're seeing Hayek, 
Howden, Heedle, and Keen. Who are you most excited to see? Um, honestly, it's probably Howden because of how great he was at Traverse City. Uh, we all know how I would agree with that. Heedle was last preseason and how he shocked the world. I'm actually going to be at this game uh, because someone I know, really nice guy, gave me tickets to it. But yeah, I'm actually I'm excited. I'm also excited to see Joey Keen. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot straight with you. I, I Joey Keen is like it's bizarre. A few of the lesser known um, prospect people mm-hmm. who like exclusively cover the OHL talk about Joey Keen like the steal of a century that the Rangers got him in the fourth yeah, he round. He's shooting up charts left, right, um, and center, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I am 100 percent here for it. I thought he was spectacular. Uh, you know, in terms of his summer performance with the different junior teams and some of the international tournaments. So, yeah, I I really want to get a good... Like, here's how much he's rocketed up the draft board. I am more excited to see him than Hayek tomorrow, tonight, whatever, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, You know what? I'll say that, too, only because I have... I think I have a very good idea of what Libor Hayek is going to be as like a a solid but relatively unremarkable second pair defender uh, that plays a two-way game. Whereas Joey Keen, like he's been playing so well of late that there's very good reason to be excited that he's really something special. And that's not to take away from what Libor Hayek's potential and his talents are, because obviously he can he can you know hit another gear and you know, rise up charts just like Hayek is doing. I mean, just like Joey Keene is doing. But, yeah, Joey Keene is a really fun prospect to watch right now. And I'm really curious to see what he looks like playing against, uh, you know, the Flyers who we know have, you know, a, t- a prospect pool that rivals the Rangers. And, and most would agree is better than the Rangers right now. But that might not be the case uh, maybe two or three years from now because of you know the two organizations are in different places but a lot of good young guys on both teams and especially on the blue line i should say because a lot of the flyers best prospects are defenders so yeah i want to see both of them but i agree with you the guy i'm going to be keeping a really close eye on is keen joey the man keen keen and howden questions kevin aka uncle kev says does Sean Day have a future with the New York Rangers? Well, Kevin, yes, I think he does. Um, at least I, I don't want you to look at him being cut today as the Rangers giving up on him. I think they're very worried about making sure that they don't put too much on his plate. Michael? It's, it, it's much too early to read too much into him being among the first cut players just you know it's i'm not at all worried am i i don't i'm not gonna say whether or not i think he's an nhl player yet because i really really want to see what he does at the ahl level and like you said joe he's he's a project that's kind of what he is at this point but he's also a project that has a lot of talent and unique skills that make him super duper intriguing and the best thing we can really do is get an idea of what he looks like against near, you know, near NHL talent, and the AHL is the right place for him. It is tough, though, uh, Kevin, considering, like I said earlier, what the Rangers' prospect pool looks like on the blue line. It's it's 
it's going to be tough sledding for Day to really carve out a role for himself and something to really keep an eye on, especially, you know, a year from now is where he is in terms of, you know, the, like that organizational depth chart, right? Like, you know, where does he wind up as a guy who can play the left side? Um, he'll be 21 in January. And how many prospects, defensive prospects, do the Rangers have who play the left side? It's it's a ton. So, yeah, not easy for, for Sean Day. We'll see what no, happens. No, but you know what? If Sean Day turns into even a half of what he could be, he's going to make the team regardless of who's on there. Um, it's just a matter of getting his head right and making sure that he's in the right space. And that doesn't – please don't take that as his head is not in the right place. It's just – this is a guy that, you know, needs to grow into the role a little bit. And it's I think that's what the Rangers... Yeah. yeah, the Rangers are handling this the right way. He had a great overage year in the OHL last year. He looked He's fine fresh. at Traverse City. Let's, yeah, you know, let's let him do his thing. Yeah, I'm not worried. Next question. This guy asked two questions in one. Okay. Kyle Brandau. Just Yorkin 2020 is his handle. Do you think Quinn will effectively utilize both Pionk and Anthony D'Angelo if they both continue to look good, despite the likelihood that Smith, McQuaid, and Clayson are used? If they aren't, is that more on Quinn or Gordon? That's a good... Those are two good questions. Let me answer the first question first. I think if Pionk and D'Angelo force the issue, I don't think it would be shocking to see them both make the team at least up front. I do think the Rangers are going to move away from this. Oh, let's just hold the guy in like the 7D role. I mean, Frederick Clayson definitely complicates things here as well. But if they both aren't used, it's not on Quinn. It's it's trading for McQuaid was on Gordon. And Gordon didn't have to do it. He, he didn't. There's really no need to make that trade. And he did. So if there's not enough room for them, Yes, I think Quinn thinks he needs a guy like McQuaid in the lineup, but Gordon is the one that, you know, got him the toy to play with, so. Yeah, there's a couple things to make note of here. The first being that uh, Clayson, I feel like he's going to be the seventh D or he's going to hit the waiver wire and end up in Hartford. Uh, He's 26 in November. He's a stay-at-home guy. He's relatively unremarkable. He has really, it's interesting, he's really good at, preventing zone entries, but he also played a lot with Eric Carlson in Ottawa last year, uh, and he's a very physical guy, uh, as a, you know, we got a look at that last night, and I don't know, he's not a guy who's going to move the needle for you in, in any way, shape, or form. Pionk can go through waivers and be assigned to the AHL, um, but of all these guys, I feel like he's the one who kind of deserves the longest leash in terms of what he has done for the team thus far and, uh, you know, where he is at this point in his career. Uh, D'Angelo will have to go through waivers, and that is, you know, I, re- I write about that in the, the piece that's going to come up today when, when you're listening to this, uh, and that is a big factor at play here. Uh, as you know, Joe, it's it would be a, a goddamn nightmare if the Rangers don't have D'Angelo making the roster and they put him on waivers and... He gets claimed considering, you know, the price tag that was attached to him because of the Derek Stepan trade. That would be just a terrible mismanagement of an asset and a prospect. Even with all of the headaches off the ice and whatever the hell you want to say about D'Angelo, he's not someone you can lose for nothing. 
um, especially before you really know what you have, which is, I, I think it's fair to say that's still the case. Uh, McQuaid, I feel like, is going to be either in the lineup or really play for that seventh spot, or he's going to cost Pianca D'Angelo a spot. And that is the real question here, is how the hell does McQuaid impact this blue line? Because the Rangers didn't give up a fourth-round pick for a guy they're going to play in Hartford. That just that doesn't make any sense. Uh, not Not in any way, shape, or form does that make a lick of sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm really, really interested in seeing how, what the hell McQuaid looks like and what sort of role Quinn plays him in. That's the big question to me. This is a hell of a question from Tom Ertz Jr., Blue Shirt Banter-er. With William Nylander remaining unsigned, do you think there would have been a trade to be made had the Rangers kept McDonough? No, and here's why. McDonough would have been traded by now. That's my answer. I like that answer. Um, he would have been traded at the deadline. Or I not like at the deadline, at the draft. And Nylander was not a concern at that point. I like the question, too. It's a very good question. It though. is a good question. Um, yeah, that is a fascinating one to me. Nylander is obviously the biggest name in terms of guys who, who are RFAs. There's Nick Ritchie, there's Shea Theodore... Uh, Sam Reinhart is another very big name coming off a 50-point season for Buffalo. And Miles Wood, uh, we heard him mentioned on the MSG broadcast last night. He had 19 goals last season for the Devils. But Nylander is obviously the guy that we're talking about here. Uh, I think that McDonough would have went on the draft day, but then again, maybe Carlson Market would have spoiled that, Joe. It's hard to say. Like, these are... It's like those Marvel what if com- like comic books where it's just uh, you know it, it's super fun to think about what could have happened, but you know it also would have impacted you know Toronto has definitely had their eyes set on Tavares, right? So would they have wanted to have one year of McDonough, and how does that work with the rest of their cap? And I don't know. I'd have to look at all the numbers to really give a more sophisticated answer than the one I'm giving, but yeah, I would agree with you. I don't think it would have happened. Largely because... Yeah, the timing just didn't work. Yeah, the, the, the timing is not really lining up for, for that to, to shake out in a fun blockbuster deal where the Rangers get Nylander. And I want to make it clear, I want William Nylander bad, with a capital B. Uh, I just don't... I'm not sure how it'll happen at this point beyond... A, um, you know, a massive trade. trade. I mean, listen, the, the trade, the trade is possible. Let's not uh, let's no, not kid ourselves here. They no, have a pretty even, serious even issue. Now it's, even now, it's 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 possible because, you know, the uh, the the Leafs chose to sign Tavares for eleven million until the end of time, um, and of course they have to sign Austin Matthews till the end of time, and then they have Mitch Marner, who they want to sign until the end of time. And there's William Nylander, who's the RFA now. Uh, both Matthews and Marner are RFAs next year. And if you look at what it looks like for the lease, I mean, they have Kadri signed for the next four years, and, you know, they have a couple of guys to build around. You know, Marlowe's there for the next two years. Hyman's there for the next three years. I'm looking at Cap Friendly, by the way. I don't remember. I don't, don't memorize all Oh, he crap. knows this stuff. Um... Yeah, I don't, that's it's 
it's going to be tough for them to find a way to make everyone fit, and that's the big story that's been kind of buzzing around Toronto really since they left the playoffs, right? It's how the hell do they fit it all fit it all together? Um, but yeah, I, I want to imagine that the Rangers could be involved in something for Nylander or Marner. I just... Uh, until we hear, until we see a little more smoke, I'm not going to get excited. You know what I mean? Oh, I 100% agree about that. Um, Johnny Alo. Johnny Alo. The Sharks are heading down a very similar path to the Rangers from 2012 to 2016. I don't know if I see them extending Eric Carlson. Do they have the cap room? Wow, we're getting a lot of like salary cap related questions here, Joe. Thank, thank the baby Jesus for CapFriendly.com. Yes. Well, what does it tell you? Well, the fascinating thing with... I mean, let's make this clear. We haven't commented on it yet. Holy crap, did the Senators not get enough? Well, yeah, this was... Instead of, like, that's a tough question to answer, John. But we... Instead of answering it, we are going to talk about the fact that... (laughs) That that trade makes the McDonough trade look so much better by comparison. The fact that that Gordon was able to get what he got, considering that, A, Carlson was on the market in the first place, and I got to be honest with you, they have to be kicking themselves for not taking whatever the Vegas deal was at the deadline. No? Oh. Because it ha- – here's – I mean, you know what? This is another fantastic point that I want to make. Especially because Vegas had a – like a cache of, of draft picks, and that's what Ottawa needs. They didn't even get, a, like, a guaranteed first for next year, and that's just a disaster. We all talk about the fact that general managers don't want to sign other teams' players to restricted free agent contracts because they don't want to do damage to, like, their Qualifying reputation. Yeah, they don't want to take, you know, they don't want to do damage to their reputation Hi, with Kaylin. other general managers. Yes, Kalen is on my lap. But... Dorian got hosed by San Jose. They traded for Hoffman and then traded Hoffman back into the goddamn conference for double what they got from the Senators. And in the most important trade of his career, he went back to that same general manager that fucked him over so bad. Don't don't use this language in front of you. So I don't want to hear the fact that, oh, they don't want to cause a bad relationship because... They don't care. They just want to do what they think is best for the team. So sign Nylander to the offer sheet. What does it matter? Do it. To, to answer the question, because it is a good question, there's, I think there's three things in particular to keep in mind. Evander Kane, Logan Couture, and Tomas Hurdle are all signed long-term. They're also all under 30 years old. Pavelski and Thornton are 34 and older. Joe Thornton's 39. They're both UFAs at the end of this year. Joe Thornton has five million on the cap. Pavelski has six million on the cap. The cap is going up. Uh, obviously, Carlson is a guy who would demand like what, Joe? Like uh, north of ten million easily I, on the market. I, I could easily see Carlson as as getting 11, as much 12. as thirteen million dollars. Yeah, eleven, twelve, thirteen million a year. Fourteen, so, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, we're talking the Thornton and Pavelski cap hits combined, but also keep in mind the cap is going up. Is there room for Carlson? The short answer is. If the Sharks really want it, they can make it happen. And I don't think they're going to know if they really want it until they see what Carlson does to this team. Uh, Thornton's 39, as I said. Pavelski's 34. They love Joe Pavelski in San Jose. He's their captain. 
But, I mean, you're willing to move stuff around. They can also move, you know, Justin Braun or Brendan Dillon and free up some more cap space because now there's a ton of money uh, locked up in that blue line. Uh, and, and, yeah, if they want if they want it to happen, they'll make it happen is the short answer. It's just a question of what it will cost. Um, and we've seen this a lot with other teams. You know, we've seen it happen with Pittsburgh and Chicago and, uh, you know, the Kings to some extent. These teams that really, you know, swing for the fences in free agency. And then they end up or, you know, they, they lock up all their guys to long-term deals. And before they know it, they are pressed against the cap when they, they have to figure out a way to not just become a team that has two lines and, you know, like the Capitals were... They won a cup this way, but their fourth line was a bunch of, like, you know, just just kind of scrubs that were guys who were cast away from other teams. I don't all, want no scrub. Yeah, scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. And Alex Chason, Devontae Smith-Pelly, you know, they all did great. But, yeah, it's it's one way to win. It's one way to win and build your team. And I think if the Sharks have a blue line with Vlasic, Burns, and Carlson, they would be open to doing that because, holy crap, that top three. Yeah, how do you not? Next question. I am Pi Fieri. Maybe the best. Pi one. Yeah, Pi, P-I-E. Would it be more preferable to have both Lias and Hedl make the team out of camp, have them both start in Hartford, or have one here as a 3LC? I don't know what that, I guess, third line center. Three, third and the other center at the top of the line in Hartford. My answer to this is I don't care what's good for the team, and I don't think the Rangers do either. I think the Rangers are going to do what's right for each individual player, and that's the way that this needs to be looked at. Because this year is a throwaway anyway. It's it's going to be what's best for both Quinn of them. Quinn wants to win every single game. Of course he does. Because if he does, he'll win, win the Stanley every Cup. Game. I, I personally, if I think Keto's making the team. I just he's too good not to. I think if Anderson keeps playing the way he's playing, he's making the team. It's just a matter of figuring out how to fit them. That's all. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel like it's, you know, if they have to put someone on waivers they weren't necessarily thinking, but Anderson's playing the way he's playing, then, you know, waivers be damned. They, they want the kids there. Be damned. And especially, like, Anderson and Jesper Fast. I can watch that all season long. And if, if Quinn continues to be a guy who, you know, looks like he wants to give the guys, you know, in, in the bottom the bottom half of his forward group, you know, that, that third and fourth line, obviously we talked about, you know, the, the ice time with Lindquist and McLeod and how they didn't see much of a role, but they are trying to focus on evaluating guys like Anderson, which is why he played nearly 20 minutes uh, against the Devils. And yeah, that's, that's what I want to see is Anderson get the sort of look that he's gotten so far. If all things being equal, if, if like you had to make the call now, I would say I'd rather do, you know, one guy is 3C, one guy is the top line center in Hartford. And the reason for that being that I really, I think it comes down to ice time and development. I don't know what to make of Keith McCambridge just yet in Hartford. Uh, but I do think it's important to understand, like, this is a very fluid situation uh, trying to find a way to get these guys the ice time and develop them and to keep in mind, you know, their contracts and everything else. The best thing for these guys is what is whatever gives them the best opportunity to, to develop. 
And the real question is, where is that? Is that as a third-line center with the Rangers, a fourth-line center with the Rangers, a first-line center in Hartford? And honestly, it'll be, I think those are different answers you get when you ask, you know, when you're asking that question for Hedl and Anderson, because I think we would both agree that Hedl on the fourth line as the center would just be kind of a waste. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It would make a lot more sense if he doesn't. I'd rather him be the first line center in Hartford than the fourth line center in New York. Uh, whereas Anderson, I don't really mind him as the fourth line center in New York, especially if he's on a line that is viewed as like the checking line and is killing penalties and all that good stuff. Yeah, it just depends on how he's used, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, we don't know the answer to that question yet. And we don't know who Quinn really is yet. We have one game, and like I said, he didn't play Lindquist for a whole period as far as we know, and you know that may or may not be true. It might, might have been a box score goof, but the other thing is... You know, he used his enforcer seldomly, and he definitely gave guys an opportunity to keep playing when they made mistakes, and yeah, we're still figuring out who the We haven't seen that in five years. My God. I'm a whippersnapper. What? Jeff, can McQuaid make it so McLeod does not have a roster spot? I don't think so. I think, so. McLeod... I think they're, they're... No, Kalen is not happy Kalen with that question. doesn't like either of these. Uh, I, think, I, I think they're two different roster spots. I think McLeod is going to play regardless, but... I think McQuaid will make McLeod play less, if that makes sense. Well, to me, I feel like Cody McLeod would have to have, like, five goals in preseason to make the opening night roster. He's going to be there as the 13th or 14th forward or whatever the hell you want to call him. Uh, He's going to be with the team, but he's going to be plugged in, you know, when the Rangers feel like they need a spark or however the hell you want to say it. And, again, I don't really know if Quinn has a lot of time for that kind of role or that kind of guy, it's it's hard to say. I know we're, we've said this, we answered this way with our last question, but it is important to, to kind of emphasize this, is that we're trying to figure out what his tendencies are, what his philosophy looks like, because, folks, it's a little tricky uh, to evaluate an NCAA head coach when it comes to something like the, the deployment and belief in the philosophy of an enforcer. It's uh, not, not really something that's prevalent in college hockey so with that being said I feel like it is related in some way McQuaid and McLeod because they both play a similar game but they are different positions and you know if McQuaid is up with the team do the Rangers really need McLeod uh does that mean he hits waivers I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up I I just I think there's a sense that McQuaid can actually play and be an enforcer where McLeod is only the enforcer yeah whereas McLeod blows a defensive assignment for the devil's goal yeah well, you know, that is it is what it is. Back-checking, folks. Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGem, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John J. Porter, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Keith Franchillo, Matt Bader, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Robert Courtney, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kempner. And then Zachary Zetlin, not to be confused with uh, Kalen crying. Anthony Viola is my favorite. Tall Guy Robert's a great. And Fancy Lawrence. They're just, they're amazing. They're amazing Fancy names. Lawrence is great. Thank you all for donating. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. It's going to be okay, um, Kaylin. Hang in there. Yeah, she's, we're, we're at the end, sweetheart. It's okay. You have to ruin every podcast now. It's she's ridiculous. Not ruin, she just wants more Rangers hockey. And she, want, she wants, she wants to get it. Her teeth. 
are hurting her gums. She does. She has two. Her, her front two teeth are coming in. I want to thank Michael for joining me, uh, and I apologize for my daughter at the end. And we will be back next week. Goodbye, everybody. Love you all.